Hello and welcome to Comadresi Comics, a new episode. This is episode, Kristen, what episode is this? Number 57. All right, 57. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Man, summer is really kicking my butt. You have uh, some sort of mosquito, <laughs> insect, I don't know what I'm bites pati- all over you. I'm patient you zero, know, everyone. You know what? I literally just noticed it, and you just made me itchy. Uh, uh, I know. Actually, I have little, three little dots in, on Maybe my the head. Maybe the loca? No, <laughs> <laughs> and um, they itch so bad, and I'm like, what is it that bit me mm-hmm. right here on my hand that they didn't get enough the first time <laughs> or the second time that they had to go for three and leave me three big itchy little uh and i can't tell if it's fleas or if it's a spider or what it is but it also like creeps me out that things are crawling on me at night <laughs> obviously that's when it happened right. and biting me yeah yeah oh okay <laughs> something bit me on my nose the thing is not on the outside, outside <gasps> of my nose oh Fucking my freakiest. god yeah. are you serious i am not joking at all <gasps> oh, wow. so my nose hurts, uh, and something obviously bit me inside my nose. Mm-hmm. And I maybe it's just an ingrown hair. I've had those. That's gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ingrown. You get ingrown hairs wherever Everywhere, hair grows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Um, uh, but no, I'm pretty sure it's not that. Does it itch? Um, uh, it just hurts a lot. I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so uh, it reminds me of those scary stories, like the ones that uh, what's his name? Um, Guillermo del Toro is going to yes. do that movie. Yeah. Where scary the, scares, yeah. the, the spider scary comes from inside yes. your skin. Stop. I <laughs> hate that story. <laughs> oh, there is a um, uh, urban legend about a spider nest that is nested inside of a cactus that is brought over from like, I don't know, Mexico or some other state or whatever. Uh-huh. And oh, that there's that a, a party happening in the sto- in the um, in the home. Uh-huh. And like people are seeing this cactus like move, but they think, oh, they just had too much to drink okay. and, and then all of a sudden the next day or i don't know when like it, it just uh the the spider pod bursts and you all know that little spider um a- egg nests or whatever they're called sacks when they um are when they burst like hundreds of little spiders if not thousands i don't know i'm not an entomologist but <laughs> hundreds but, but like c- burst out of there and the in this story the whole entire cactus just bursts open and Ooh. all these spiders go everywhere yeah <laughs> and as a kid i heard overheard adults telling this story and i went to school obviously the next day <laughs> and told everybody oh the story. my goodness <laughs> and it was just like the thing on the playground that week that everyone was telling everyone this story and it's just so funny like as an adult how many things i heard as a kid that actually n- ended up never being true mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. urban legends yeah it's just urban legends like a- every school had the like the school used to be a cemetery yeah. urban legend <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> wow <laughs> yes or uh saying um bloody mary in the mirror oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i never had the guts to do it so <laughs> is it well, so isn't it slender man now that you say uh, three times in the mirror or i don't something? know slender man is or, in the woods or, or is it momo i don't know momo. oh momo. i've i've heard of that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I saw some moms sharing that on facebook the yeah. other day 
No. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it a piece of art in Japan? Oh, I don't know. That it that it's I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So it's like all right, it has no, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But the kids, I guess, I don't know, they're taking it a whole, to a whole new level. It's, <laughs> it's morbid and they love morbidity. Yes, children, have, look, children love morbid stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 We have to start a Komatsu Comics urban legend. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, summer's been pretty harsh for me. When is mosquito season going to be over, guys? I'm as ready. soon as the temperature drops. Yeah, <sighs> when it gets too cold for them to survive um, outside of... I don't know even know how long mosquitoes live, live. right? I I it's not that long, I don't think. I didn't don't think so either. Like but for like two days, two or three days. That sounds right, but I don't know. I There's don't know. just so fucking many of them. Yeah. I, know. I know. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm yeah. so over it. And I am a smorgasbord. They love, fleas and mosquitoes love me. And oh, I know. And I, I'm not kidding. There is a patch of grass that I have to walk through to get to my car. And just walking through that patch of grass, I get flea bites on my oh. ankles. Yeah. My little sister has recruited my mom into bathing our cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bathing cats is the worst. Yep. <laughs> and so he's gotten two baths in the last couple of weeks yeah. because he keeps getting fleas oh, and stuff like that. Ouch. So he's not having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so he hates summer too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he hates summer. He's just like not about it. Oh, <laughs> oh poor kitty. But he, he has to get bathed. I mean, if he has he had, to get oh, bathed. Man, it's he terrible. He has to get bathed. Uh, well, anyway, we will continue to endure summer. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I have some chisme. What do you chisme? have for us? I do. Uh, I don't know if you guys know of the movie Train to Bursa. It's a I South Korean not. movie. Oh, it's about zombies. Oh, Train to Busan. Yes. yes Busan. I saw Netflix. Oh. Yeah, I, for a moment I didn't understand what you were telling me. You know me. what? I don't know why I spelled it Bursa. It's Busan. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I don't know not know uh, why. Uh, I, I once you mistyped. Yeah, <laughs> once you said Korean movie, I was just like Train to Busan. Yes. I was like, I was like, is it a, a zombie movie that takes place entirely on a train? Yes. Oh my yep. god. So good. Oh my <laughs> god. Zombies on the train. Oh zombies on a train. <laughs> it's so I'm good. tired. What is it? What is he saying? I'm sick and tired of these <laughs> mother effing zombies on this <laughs> mother effing <laughs> train. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it's Train to Busan uh-huh. and it's it's gotten a lot of uh, accolades. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It actually um they spent uh 8.5 billion budget uh really? but it made 87 million worldwide. Wow. Yes. And I my brother told me about it a long time ago but I hesitated to watch it cuz you have to sit down and read the the um, yeah. those, um subtitles. I mi- I feel like I miss so much when I'm watching a movie but I'm actually having to read at the same time. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I'm doing anything else like checking social media or no, eating no, or can't. something you can't. No. You you have to. so anyway, I, when I finally yeah. sat down and watched it, I was like why did I wait so long? It mm-hmm. was so good. It's really but good. But is it really scary? It's super good. Yeah. But is it scary? <laughs> well, uh, at times, I mean, is you thought uh, you there's jump scares at times okay. and yeah. stuff like that. But the the whole movie is so, so amazing. So the chisme is that they started filming part two called <gasps> yes. Peninsula, and it's actually started filming in June. Wow! So I'm so excited. Um, it's in it, South Korean title will be called Bando, which means peninsula. Um, it's going to take place four years after the events of the first movie. 
Uh, so they're uh, basically going to be in an uninhabitable uninhabitable wasteland and you know it all hijinks will ensue (laughs) so i'm so excited about this uh the original was released in 2016 oh so it's not even that old no it's not very old so uh Mm. hopefully you know hopefully the second part will be just as good i can't wait um i believe they're filming with the same um director Mm -hmm. but i also have kind of some fucked up news so um on september 18th it was revealed um, it was real that James Wan wanted to repro- reproduce or remake the hit, um, an American remake of The Train to Busan. Oh. Really? Yes. Although James Wan has directed great movies like Saw, um, Insidious, The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, Furious 7, and Aquaman. I mean, he has some good. <laughs> what a gambit! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, that it, is quite a repertoire. <laughs> yeah. So he has a, a lot of interesting movies under his belt, but yeah. it's always it's always fucked up when there's like a American remake. Yeah. I feel like people should really enjoy the original, you know, yeah. and try to watch it in its original language. But yeah, that's that's uh, my cheese make because I am super excited about this. Well, I'm gonna have to watch it. I had never heard of it before, it's, and it's I'm on always Netflix. looking for things on Netflix and Hulu to watch. And I actually feel like I don't fully take advantage of the fact that we have so many small independent theaters here in Los Angeles yes. that probably even showed that movie when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and well, 100%. I- and the first time I saw Blair Witch was actually at the New Art. And mm-hmm. I stood in line for hours to watch it. But to a- I mean, and now it's like total like um, pop culture phenomenon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that, and it was like the first of its kind. Yeah. And, um, Shaky cam footage yeah. movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I hated it actually. But, <laughs> um, but it was cool to be there and like all, all the word of mouth and everything. And everyone was like, oh my God, you got to see this movie. And then mm-hmm. I did and the good stuff started happening and it was over. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> like horror stuff on the big screen is like so cool to oh, watch. Oh, absolutely. So. Oh, yeah. Train to Busan, if you could watch it in theaters. Oh, yeah. definitely. Midnight show. Let's it's, do this. It's <laughs> great. But yeah, it's on Netflix yeah, if I'm you want to watch it. it. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's just, it's, I, I kind of want to compare it to Snowpiercer. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. <gasps> Snowpiercer oh is such a good movie. So good. Oh, it, Chris Evans is in it, right? Yes, Chris oh, Evans is so the main yeah. lead in it for, but it is, it's pretty, it's an indie film. No, it's his an Captain indie. American Days? No. I know, it's during, it's, I think. Oh, during really? his Captain oh, America yeah. Days, but before the really good ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, um, uh, but it's it's really good and it has that kind of same feel to it yes. where it's like mm-hmm. action and like horror, but not like, Mm, not I, like body horror, yeah, yeah, but uh-huh. more like psych- uh, even S- psychological S- horror society. as it's meant to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, so it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and I also think that it it's even kind of in the same kind of uh, uh, filter, like film filter, like in the same kind of like oh, um, um kind of a little bit. It's dark it's, slash yeah. um, drab slash. I don't know. It's very I don't know, but you grungy, grungy, yeah, yeah, very grungy. So it's not crisp like you know yeah. other movies like rom coms and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, it's I think it's very much a Korean directional choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, a type of shot. It's very much not Western. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. and so I it's it, it's interesting. 
Yeah, that in itself. It but cool. it's a good movie. Yeah. It's a oh, great that movie. And, and I'm excited for, yeah. the, for, for the second one. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, uh, oh gosh, I'm so mm. excited. Speaking of horror, uh, <laughs> I have another piece of cheese too. And uh, it is that John Carpenter is going to be writing um, uh, DC's Year of the Villain Joker number one. This freaking blew my mind when I heard it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the Joker Year of the Villain number one hits stores in October. Mm-hmm. They haven't announced Aptly the date. enough. Yeah. And it was actually... So, from it's very convoluted because DC announced it, but then it was taken down. Mm, uh, really? But then, a, like, a sister news site also announced it, but that was taken down, too. Mm-hmm. Because I guess they weren't supposed to reveal it yet. Oh. Um, uh, or it was supposed to be a surprise. Uh-huh. Uh, and... But then bleeding cool. There's got nothing their hands. that ever is a surprise in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. And why do people keep feeding bleeding cool all this information? He has access to it, <laughs> connections, I guess. But I mean, they don't get anything out of it, do they? No, they don't. I mean, I is there a paycheck? Because give me the number. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, yeah. So bleeding, because someone. Uh, captured those screenshots because it must have been like moments like yeah brief moments yeah but someone got those, sc- those screenshots and sent it to bleeding cool mm-hmm. and now the only way to know about that is bleeding cool oh. so this was released july 12th and as of yet they haven't dis- said any more information yeah this is all from bleeding cool and uh, i mean damn me also for going <laughs> and frequenting <laughs> bleeding cool but sometimes they do they have the info they, do. they have it and i'm just like where the fuck else am i supposed to go mm. so um uh <laughs> So, uh, Bleeding Cool kind of, like, released it, and uh, John Carpenter is going to be writing uh, The Joker, uh, DC Year of the Villain, number one. So, and John it's coming Carpenter out in of Nightmare on Elm Street, yep. Halloween, mm-hmm. yep. like, all of the uh, quintessential 80s horror films that... Mm-hmm. What else has he done? He came back and did something, like... Not recently, but I would say in the 2000s, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember, or was it when he came back and he wrote another another nightmare, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. I don't know. But, but I'm excited to, to read that. But that Me too. I mean, he is the, like, the godfather of horror. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. to be doing a comic? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now that I think about it, <laughs> well, he doesn't write prose, so that's different. I, I mean, I think going from screenwriting to comic book writing is a much easier transition mm-hmm. than doing prose writing to comic book writing. Because yeah. both Roxanne Gay and ta Coates, when they did it, they were very wordy in the beginning. And it took some time before they, like, were able to, like, catch their stride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe someone who does a... Um, who is is coming from a more visual medium mm-hmm. where already he is in a screenplay, you're already visualizing how the words are going to be portrayed in action. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Script writing is very much similar to comic book writing. Yeah. Because it's, it's a script that you're going to have to share with an artist. Um, uh, comic books more like an actual artist and then uh, with filmmaking with like a movie director stuff like that uh, so it's they're both very art uh, art uh, cooperative or I guess team one so I think he'll do a good job yeah I hope so yeah I think it'll be an easier transition than like you said prose writing because mm-hmm. 
my God, I I like Tanahasi Coates and yeah. I like his Black Panther series and yeah. he's doing a great job now. But in the beginning, yeah, my God, he could not shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that but first volume is really tough. It's very wordy. Yeah. It is very wordy, and it's all like yeah, it's like all cool, interesting stuff. But at the same time, let your artist do part of the yeah. work. You don't have to explain everything. Mm-hmm, exactly, you have to let. You one, you have to let visual the visual media portray what it is that you're trying to say. And even even so, I mean, we've always mentioned when we do our book reviews that sometimes the panels that have no words and just images yeah. mm-hmm. tell us so much about the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. But yeah, that's my piece of cheese. That's man. some good cheese, man. That yeah. is some good cheese, man. What time is it, Kristen? What time is it? Es la hora de la cervecita. I'm very excited about today's beer because it's from a local brewery, local to me. It is a brewery called Yorkshire Square, and it's located hmm. five blocks from my house. Oh, <laughs> I know the I know the one. <laughs> yes. So um, the thing that is interesting about Yorkshire is that in a day and age of the IPA, um, Yorkshire Square strives to deliver an unparalleled beer experience by brewing proper British beer. Now, what does that mean? You can see, <laughs> even as Sarah is pouring it right now, there is absolutely zero head. There is absolutely zero carbonation shown. I mean, actually, you can see teeny little bubbles kind of on the side. Not even. <laughs> no head throws phone. <laughs> but uh, British beer is known for not having a lot of carbonation and for um, actually being served warm. So both of those things are um, an absolute no-go for me. Sins against the beer world. Yes. Um, But um, I thought that it was so totally different than what we usually do. So, I mean, we're usually pretty heavy on the IPAs and the very hoppy um, beers. So I think that um, having this as um, something that we can try together and review is kind of interesting. Um, So they also, uh, Yorkshire uh, Square Brewery, um, really wants to champion the cask ale. So this beer itself is um, cask aged. And um, a lot of their beers are. Um, they specialize in cask condition and hand-pulled ales. So if you've, if you've ever been to a place that serves real English ales, th- there's no carbonation in the beer or there's very little carbonation in the beer so that when you actually are like in most bars they just pull the handle Mm -hmm. and it shoots out well Mm -hmm. part of that is science of the carbonation Mm -hmm. like forcing it from the pressurized um keg that it's in Mm -hmm. but with uh with british ales because there is not a lot of carbonation they actually have to hand pull it and what that means is the dude who actually filled this growler 
has the the um, handle in his hand and he actually makes a pumping motion with it to actually he physically is pumping the beer into the bottle so that is kind of really cool oh. when you go <laughs> there and you see that these aren't the um, normal western mm -hmm. beers that we're used to at bars so um the president of yorkshire square brewery his name is gary croft and he actually is originally from england he was born and raised in yorkshire so i see where we get you see where you get the um name of the brewery and then yorkshire his head square his head brewer is Andy Black, who is an American, but he actually has a British brewing education and trained in Yorkshire. Mm. So it's kind of cool to, in uh, California and little old corner of Torrance, to have this uh, brewery that has um, beer that you would have to travel all the way, which you did, Sarah, <laughs> uh, to England to usually have. So the beer that we're drinking today is called Bend Number One one and it is a rotating beer they don't always have it and it's actually a blend uh, a blended dark ale this is a blend of two of their beers that they usually have on tap one is called Wuthering Stout so kind of like Wuthering Heights, Heights yeah. But yeah. Wuthering Stout it's an English I remember that one yeah. English oatmeal stout okay. and that um, is 70 makes up 75% of this blend and that is a 4.88 Four point eight ABV. The other um, beer, or it's not a beer. The other ale um, that is mixed in is the old lad. So um, <laughs> that is an English old ale that makes up twenty five percent of this blend, and it is an oaked ale, and it's an eight point six ABV. Oh my gosh! And they are. It's uh, they're both aged in oak barrels, and um, kind of one of the things that the um, the dude at the brewery who filled my growler told me was that um, the the oak brew uh, the oak aging really gives it a lot of vanilla notes. So uh, he said, make sure you you um, you search your palate for those vanilla notes. So that is what we're drinking today, and um, I. Hope that you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's well, let's it smells pretty it. good. I have to get really up in there to yeah. smell it, but yeah. I mean, it's obviously very muted. Muted is the word. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. you feel more carbonation than what you can see. I think. Yes, and I've because I've had. I've been to this brewery before with yeah. you guys. Uh, it's more carbonated than their usual ones, and okay. I can taste that. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, That's a good point of reference for me since I've never been. Something interesting, too. They have a new IPA on mm. the menu that I've been drinking while I'm there, and it's actually pretty good because mm -hmm. the, the other stuff I generally don't like, but... This one, when I asked, what's the quintessential beer that you have right now that um, if I asked you, what is the most English Yorkshire square beer or ale that you would recommend? This is what he recommended. And that's why I picked it. Um, but also because I you guys know I don't like porters and I don't like um, stouts. This is a porter stout or this is a, a stout slash ale blend but this is one that 
actually I like because it is it's so watered down. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It is so watered down. It is It's like the opposite of the one that we had uh the previous episode. Yes, yes. That was so coffee. Yes. Yeah. This is so watered down, but I like it. Like I enjoy the um the flavor because it's not an overpowering coffee flavor, which of course I don't like. So mm-hmm. I could see why people who like uh, stouts might be like, oh, that's just you like you. It is. It's like you it tastes and feels like someone took a stout and poured it into a poured eight ounces into a pint and then filled the rest up with water. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just took the words right out of my mouth. It, it tastes like because we're we're not drinking it warm because. Yeah. Fuck that. Because um, America. <laughs> because, because America. America. But this, what, yeah. this literally tastes like someone poured either beer or coffee over ice, over a lot of ice, yes. and waiting for it to melt. And you know what? Sometimes I'm into that. Yeah. And you and for right now, I, I'm okay with it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's not... It's not the most boring of their beers that, they, that I've had. Yes. I've had some of their very boring okay, beers. Okay, so... English ales are very much like Utah <laughs> beer <laughs> yes. in that they're mostly in the four point somethings ABV. Mm, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, because beer drinking in England is like such a, I mean, I guess you think it is here too, but m- unlike Americans who um, want to get shit-faced and drunk want and buzz. they want that buzz, English drinkers want to enjoy the beer and they want to drink more than one without being not being able to have control of their faculties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently English people have more self-control than <laughs> 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 more dignity. I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> I was say, more dignity because let me tell you when I'm out drinking, I am 100% drinking to make a goddamn fool of myself and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> dignity, sorry. I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> so they um, want to be able to day drink and still you know i don't know function i yeah. guess yeah <laughs> so um, i was gonna say drive home but probably not <laughs> um, they're so boring Why? yeah no but i mean you've seen it in movies when they're like when they say something like oh you s- that's so english of you yeah, or yeah. like <laughs> when uh i guess when we're so emotional they're like oh okay i I guess like <laughs> they're so muted. Yeah. I guess you know, yeah. or it, that's what they portray, yeah. or that's mm-hmm. the stereotype in the movies, yeah. for, for instance. But mm-hmm. um, yes. Well, all I have to go by is the beer that I'm drinking, and also the references in Shaun of the Dead. Uh, <laughs> the entire time they're just trying to get to the pub, yeah. and then the end of the world, where <laughs> the entire time they're just trying to get to the pub. Right. Uh, their pub crawl. So. Um, so those are my only references eh, eh, <laughs> and um so i don't know how valid that is but um in all the beers that i i have tried yes that was one thing that is just like i want more flavor like mm-hmm. a lot of it just tastes watered down to me mm-hmm. and although this does too it does it in the right way right because i'm just no, not yes. yeah yeah so. in this one i can definitely taste those vanilla notes yeah a little bit yeah um uh and i like I like the muted coffee taste as mm-hmm. well. It's not as it, it's not as bad as I usually. Maybe it's because I'm f- it's hot <laughs> and it's cold, and it reminds me of drinking iced coffee. So you know what? Yeah, they're forgiven. 
So apparently when you mix a 4.8 and an 8.6, you get a 6.0 ABV. So that's where this, that, and that makes it a pretty respectable ABV per American standards. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely not your English grandmother's ale um, mm-hmm. because uh, one of these, and I definitely think you would be filling it. Mm-hmm. So, ladies, are you ready on our scale from flaccid to um, rigid to rate our beer? Yeah, I'm going to give it a partial. Okay, so a three out of five. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna good. go. I'm gonna go partial too okay. because um, although it's not really carbonated, the flavors are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that it's chilled. I'm not sure how it would taste not chilled, but I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. if it was warm, I would have been like... I'm no. sure our English listeners, because we have tons <laughs> of those, uh-huh. and the um, brewer who is listening himself <laughs> is like <laughs> yelling at him. <laughs> Whatever it is he's listening to us on, because he's like, you stupid women don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well. You don't know English ale. But... Um, we like what we like, and I also am giving it a partial. I'm giving it a three out of five. Mm. Um, uh, maybe a partial and a half um, because it is probably, it would be my go-to stout mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. it, I, I appreciate the flavors, but not the overpowering coffee-ness mm-hmm. of a stout. So uh, there we go. That's a, a threes all around. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. Um, what are we... What? What? <laughs> oh, damn it, mosquitoes. <laughs> anyway, what are we reviewing today, guys? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is that <laughs> When I heard it, I was just like, is, is there a mosquito in here? I'm about to go ape shit with this book right now. Jesus yeah, because she had it in her hand. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. The book we're reading is Hot Throbbing Dykes to Watch Out For. I love the title. Volume 7 by Alison Bechtel. Or Bechtel? I don't know. I, I've always heard Bechtel, but then I've also... I mean, that was that's the majority that I've heard. But then I also have heard Bechtel, so I do not know what the right one is and we mm. even i've actually heard her introduce herself and i don't remember what she <laughs> said i think she said bechdel oh, okay i okay. think she said bechdel but look fuck the english language it's confusing <laughs> um uh, so i'm s- <laughs> until she tells me otherwise <laughs> personally <laughs> it's gonna be bechdel <laughs> <laughs> so she chooses the one that, <laughs> that that we say that she knows is not right <laughs> it's just in my head it makes more sense okay it's like i still have trouble with plaid being plaid and not played played uh-huh. yeah. yeah and it's 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 a cognitive thing yes yeah. i don't know i just i said it played my almost all my entire life until i was informed otherwise <laughs> and then i was very very mad Oh, wow. But I'm making an effort to say it as plaid. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny. So, yes, Dykes to Watch Out For is um, a comic strip. We're going old school comics. We're going comic strip format. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only that, 
eighties. Yes, eighties. So um, Dykes to watch out for is or was her ongoing strip that actually began in nineteen eighty three. Wow, so thi- that was like pretty early on comic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. strips. To, I mean, no, I mean it's not as early as like Annie and all, all that <laughs> stuff. But I mean, like underground stuff. It was like think in the height of underground, probably in yeah. the eighties. Yeah. Well, no, height of the underground was the sixties, I think. Of comics, really? See? Yeah. What do I know? I wouldn't know. <laughs> 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 we'll ask Eddie. <laughs> yeah, Eddie's the one. Eddie's the one who knows more about it. Uh, I want to say sixties uh-huh. because I want to say they started in the fifties. Got it. Well, yeah. you know what? What I was thinking was like Love and Rockets type, right? Like, yeah. Like main, like how they were getting mainstream. Yeah, like maybe yeah for notoriety, mainstream. I guess. I think that that's correct because. Uh, um, uh, Love and Rockets was the first one to be picked up by a publisher, mm-hmm. uh, and that was incredible. Yeah, back then, and I think she was she was picked up too, but by the underground comics. Yeah, uh, she mm-hmm. was. Uh, her strip was um, in a magazine, which now I don't remember what it was, but the, it was an ongoing syndicated thing, and um, she ran this strip from 1983 all the way through 2008 wow that is a run yeah that's amazing and the only reason she took time off or she stopped it and this is actually uh hot throbbing dykes to watch out for is actually volume seven so this Mm -hmm. is pretty far into her um into her her storytelling with these characters right yeah Um, this is i in in the beginning i believe these were published in 1987 Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I did see that somewhere I wrote down here. So the only reason, or the main reason, she stopped her strip was because she um, began work on her books, Fun Home and Are You My Mother? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't know, Fun Home is a graphic memoir um, book that she wrote that actually was turned into a musical that won a Tony Award in wow. 2015. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the city of Santa Monica chose it as its book. Yep. Um, Their citywide, uh, City Reads book, they chose it um, in 2015. And we actually hosted one of the book reviews, or book, uh, not reviews, but where we just discussed it. Meeting. Yeah, um, at Heidi Ho Comics. And some of the people had actually seen the play and just raved about it. They mm-hmm. actually gave me free tickets and I wasn't able to Aww. go. So, mm-hmm. um, But yes, so there's a lot of notoriety around Fun Home. And I think Are You My Mother is also um, uh, autobiographical. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. remember if it came out first or, or well, second. I believe it came out first because okay. uh, Fun Home was about her father. Yes. Are you my mother? Is about her mother. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. They're very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very. I think good reads. I've only read Fun Home, but yes, like the. It is very interesting. There's a lot of family um, issues <laughs> that mm-hmm. she is very open about talking about with her and her father, and just the way that, like, I never picking up that book would have guessed the way that that story was going to go and the way that it turned out and all the like things that happened in that story. It was uh, it, definitely the makings of a good telenovela. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, definitely. Interesting. It was yeah. a lot. And, um, um, but, uh, 
Dykes to Watch Out For, which is the name of the comic strip itself. Yeah. Uh, started in 83, like right when the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. was coming around. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I really like about stuff like this is that it's very historical yeah it's like it talks about like the everyday lives about these women who are living together um uh, and they're all queer mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a very slice of life very it much is a, very much a visual into how their everyday um uh, is and i really appreciated that because there is this I don't want to say an agenda, but there is very much a lack of older queer works mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are very hard to find. Uh, the um, uh, USC actually has a library for like these older queer works and stuff like that, oh. dating back like centuries. Wow. Yeah. And I know this because my best friend worked in yeah. that library, one for work study, but also for a class. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know that it existed. Uh-huh. And it's like right around the block uh, from USC. But in a lot of these works she had never heard of because they're just they're so hard to get a hold of and they're so hard to get um uh, reprintings and reproductions of and nobody wants to reprint oh, them. Interesting. Well. Yeah. And uh which uh, uh so seeing stuff like this, it's very much a kind of like this is my history, my queer history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh like the the reason that I can be out uh, and proud and stuff mm-hmm. like that is because of like older like stuff like this yeah. that you can don't really hear of because a lot of the people who either created this work or who helped try to create it are now dead right mm-hmm. yeah uh, there's a whole generation just gone yeah uh because of the aids epidemic right and stuff like that so i just really appreciated when i while i was reading this of just how the everyday kind of worked back mm-hmm. then and so like because 1990 like these were in 1997 but they still showed like stuff that was happening yeah. like in the 80s and stuff like mm-hmm. that that was happening then because i was three years old mm-hmm. when it was 1997 <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so it's just like i don't know what was going on yeah yeah so well it's interesting to in to indicate or to realize that uh, Dykes to Watch Out For is actually one of the earliest ongoing representations of lesbian in any popular culture. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, probably not until Ellen do you really see anything in pop Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, and it's, because it was popular. It it still is, I uh, Mm -hmm. I think. But it's just one of those older things that you don't really know about. Yeah. Until, there's also another thing, um, um, that we got in the shop and it was a dedication to an old comic strip as well called Jane's World. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. And so that's a and I didn't I never even knew that existed mm-hmm. until that um uh, dedication book came out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like what is this but it was around that same era, almost similar artwork too mm. of just how very underground yeah. um uh, uh style. So it's just it's just one of those kind of like really cool, fascinating things to me of like uh, the everyday life of queer uh, in c- of queer culture yeah. way back in the day. So the book itself um, is a collection of her comic strips, which are generally like 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 six panels. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so the basic setup of a of a comic strip and they follow the lives of um some main characters and in mm. that respect definitely reminded me of love and rockets as i was reading yeah that. me too i oh, got that yeah. love and rockets feel for yeah. sure yeah including a little bit the art kind of went that way too uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so we have um, a lesbian couple who ha- is an, um, new to parenthood. Mm-hmm. We have um, a single woman who is on the queer dating scene. Mm-hmm. She um, is a, an employee at a women's bookshop. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the bookshop owner. Um, we have a whole bunch of um, ancillary characters who are just friends of this big group. And mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed that even though this is a comic strip, there was an overarching story arc mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of the strips for all of the characters, really. Yeah, that tied them all together. Yeah, mm-hmm. And not, not only that, um, the couple that is new to parenthood uh, w- one of the females is Puerto Rican, and we saw the struggles yes. of uh, coming out to her parents yes. and the yeah. uh, Catholic shame yes. and mm-hmm. Catholic guilt, and you know. So that was really interesting. Ooh, preacher sister. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was uh, it was really um, surprising, and actually, I was really happy to read that because mm-hmm. you know you're you're moving along with these other characters, and then you find out that she's Puerto Rican yeah. and that her family's coming to visit. Right. And um, and they're they're struggling with this adoption issue because they want to both have the same kind of uh, parenting, I guess, what it, what would you call it, role in the child's life where not one is more parent right. than the other. Yes. So mm-hmm. um, I thought that was really interesting. The struggles of dealing with like your lawyer who is, yeah. a, you know, a dingbat dingbat. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like. I mean, it was just really great writing. And I think she makes a mention during those stories that she gives, I think, credit to somebody, I guess, that helped her write the Spanish. Um, oh. Yeah, the Spanish uh, dialogue. Okay. Which uh, was, it flowed really well. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like where we usually see something where they say, orale. And, yeah. And then yeah. we're like, oh, okay, he's Latino. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that no. or, or they, they look, looks like they looked it up in Google and yeah. he translated and yeah. stuff like that. No. But I think. When she wrote it, she would have had to. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Google had a that well, or if A. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. Google didn't even exist. It was 1997. No. <laughs> right. Did it exist? I, I have no idea. So. Th- there was a... The internet was a thing. But yeah, it wasn't, but it wasn't that, that big, no, big of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So or maybe right around 90... Because I remember that's when I moved to LA, and it was just that time where it was those kinds of... That and Ask Jeeves and... Uh, <laughs> oh, and hey, Net something, Net something i don't remember Mm -hmm. but all these um these internet search engines and people were like don't waste your time or money investing in these things it's just gonna you're not gonna you know how how are you gonna invest into something that helps you look for things (laughs) (laughs) i guess they showed them (laughs) i find that funny i find that so i remember vividly reading articles about (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's little a little caption like at the bottom of that a specific uh comic strip where it says thanks to blah blah you know and then so I thought that was like a nod to the person that yeah. helped them oh, um, cool. through that through that dialogue yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah. So I really enjoyed this book. I love the artwork. I love yes. everybody's personalities. Some of them I were like, "Ooh, what an asshole!" But then yeah. I ended up liking them anyway because yeah. mm-hmm. you kind they kind of grow on you. Yeah. I mean, you see um, their woes and their inspirations and what they're working towards. I mean, you you get really involved in their lives in this strip, and I thought that was really great. It's mm-hmm. a really clever writing style and i think really um there's a lot of um what is it called um 
there's a lot of information they give you so you mm-hmm. you know more about the character and where they're coming from and why she's such a bitch and why she broke up with who and but it's not in a way that's catty it's really well written i really loved it mm-hmm. uh or over it all i the, the message they got was that they're people right yeah yes mm-hmm. they're just like you and me people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just people like you and me it's just they like women yeah that's it that's it well those of you may know the name Alison Bechdel or Bechdel <laughs> uh, from the term uh, the Besh- Bechdel Wallace test. Yes. Ah, that's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so it is Bechdel. Never mind. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll say Bechdel. I'll say Bechdel now. Um, so the, the Bechdel Wallace test is basically a measure of representation of women in fiction. Mm. And basically it says, um, do you have. Um, two women, at least in this story, mm-hmm. two women who talk to each other, and two women who talk to each other about something other than men. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that actually was named back in 1985. Mm-hmm. That the Bechdel Wallace test was was coined by her in 1985, but didn't actually start becoming popular to the two. Till the 2000s. Wow. Which is just a, an open commentary, ongoing commentary on the, um, the topic of um, gender equality, which is ever so present in our daily lives, mm-hmm. even now in mm-hmm. 2019. Um, but uh, that's just also to say that we um, should really honor all the work that she did for not just queer women, but for women in general mm-hmm. in popular culture and mm-hmm. in works of fiction. Yeah, and I mean, we're not saying that this whole comic strip is only about females, but there are uh, males present in this comic strip. As One of the ones that w- was my favorite was... Uh, the gentleman that comes in to babysit oh, the little boy, yeah. and then they're uh-huh. like, "Who are you?" He's like the male male role model. Yeah, and <laughs> like, oh, that's so cute. That was so funny because they have a little boy, yeah. so you know they they're they are conscious enough for the boy to have a well rounded understanding of himself. That a they, manny, yeah, a manny. <laughs> they bring in a manny. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, definitely check out um, all of the Dykes to Watch Out For. You can actually go to dykestowatchoutfor.com and there is... um there's a way to um, there's a link to a website where you can buy the books. Apparently, Firebrand Firebrand Books has reissued all of the old um, things with uh, all of her old uh, collections with new covers. Um, so you can pe- purchase them directly from Firebrand website. But on Dykes to Watch Out for, there's actually a um, a Dykes to Watch Out for archive that you can go and look through and read some of the strips. So you just because it was out in the 80s to 2008 doesn't mean that you can't still appreciate and read the comics. And if you want hard copies in your hand, um, go to Firebrand um, Books and you can get some uh, copies from them as well. 
Yeah. Did you guys get the feeling also like there's some political um, issues that they were addressing in oh, the comic strip? Sure. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, this and is they're still relevant yes, now? Yes, like, absolutely. Just I the making of this is political. In mm-hmm. So it's so. interesting that you say that because she stopped her strip in 2008. Um but briefly came back in um, 2016 to do a strip uh, to do, I think, I don't know if it was one strip or it was a series of strips that actually specifically addressed Trump being elected. Wow. I would love to read those. When that, when that came up, the article I was reading said that um, it crashed her site. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. The amount of people who, saw that she came back specifically for that and created new content specifically around that so many people went to her site that it crashed wow yeah wow well she has an incredible writing style i enjoyed every bit of it at first i was a little um hesitant to read it only because i think the first two pages when they're introducing the oh the, the characters ba- yeah. mm-hmm. and i was like oh too much information how am i gonna remember everything and yeah. then and then i went i couldn't put it down after i started reading it yeah. i'm like oh yeah. my god this is so good yeah i'm very appreciated for that intro because unless you started reading this at volume right one, you don't know who these, <laughs> who these women are, are. Yeah. so i like that little breakdown yeah mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was a little bit too much at the beginning for me but i, I like you said i appreciated it afterwards when i started to get really into the characters yeah so yeah so the fact that the book we actually are reading came out in 1997 and that these strips have been out for so long and that it's not a quote-unquote current book um i hope that you all can appreciate the place that this um content and this creator has in the history of comics itself Mm -hmm. and that you still actually can access the content and read it and just like Sarah and Jen are saying and that a lot of the issues that are being talked about in the book itself are so totally relevant today Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. which is a little sad because this is Mm -hmm. an older book and yet it's still relevant with the issues right now but are we ready to rate it yes yeah well, this is Sarah, and I absolutely loved it. Like I said, once um, I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. I love the artwork. I fell in love with the characters, even the ones that I kind of hated at the beginning. <laughs> I later grew to love. Um, loved it. I loved the attention to detail when um, t- using Spanish mm-hmm, in in, mm-hmm. Um, in the dialogue. I love that. Um, I'm going to give it uh, tres conchas and a cup of champurrado. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Sarah. I'm going to give it three conchas and a cup of champurrado because simply the historical aspect of it mm-hmm. really intrigued me when we were um, uh, choosing what to read. And uh, honestly, the, the fact that one of them was Puerto Rican caught, a, <laughs> caught me by surprise. Same. So yes. uh, at the same time, I was just like, oh, hey, apt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we still have that representation and that simple, easy yes. representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even back then, it's not that hard. Yeah. It's Especially th- for now. Yeah. So it's not that hard. Step good, up, people. Good point. That's what I was thinking, too, that th- mm-hmm. this was out so long ago. And for her to actually be cognizant of that and how important that is and to, to do it right, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Like, what are all these people complaining about? People have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so and, and it's all sorts. I mean, they have Puerto Rican, they have African-American, mm-hmm. they had a disabled. Uh, um, oh, that's yeah, right. And, yeah. And so, I mean, there was representation, yeah. e- even, you know, the Manny, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was just it's great. Great writing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, tres conchas and a cup of champurrado. 
So this is Kristen, and I am going to have to echo the sentiments of my co-host. I am giving it three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Um, it is really, it's a book that I, okay, so interestingly enough, um, when we first bought Heidi Ho, there was an upstairs that was just full of old books, books that people probably didn't even know had been up there for years and years and years and so one of the first things we did was to go through it all put aside things that um, we were going to take to a um, to the reef which used to be the shrine um, comic book sale and um, sell them and I found this book in one of the boxes that we took um, that was found up in Heidi Ho's loft before <laughs> we moved um, and I recognized the name and I was like oh yeah actually I don't even think it, I did recognize the name, but I think actually uh, Jeffries was like, hey, have you read this or do you know this person? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that person. And so he's like, you should read it. I think you'd like it. And that was five years ago. And I'm barely <laughs> <laughs> reading it right now because like, oh, like I didn't really know much about it. And I was like, OK, and I, it's black and white. You know how I am about black and white. <laughs> um, but. I'm so glad that I did, and it makes me actually want to go back to the beginning exactly. and read it. And the more information I learned about just um, the beginnings of her career and then where she's come and all the stuff she's accomplished and really where she – her place in comic book um, history with regards to women, with regards to queer, with regards to just a lot of things that are relevant to me as a woman um, in the comic book industry, I appreciate it 100%. So three conchas, a cup of champurrado, and um, a big um, a, a big recommendation from me to read this these books and this book in particular. This is awesome. Um Three, uh, tres conchas and a cup of chaparrado all around, guys. So that was our book review. Great. And now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what do we have for On My Radar? Oh, this one's going to be good. So <laughs> <laughs> this book has been out for a while. Um, by the time you're going to be listening to this episode, I um, it'll have been out for quite s not quite some time, but a couple weeks. not like a year or so. But mm -hmm. um, it, this book came out in mid 2019, and it is called Second Coming. And <laughs> this <laughs> book is so freaking good. Like, I probably interestingly enough okay there's a lot of controversy around this book and if it wasn't for the controversy i 100 percent know i would not have picked it up mm -hmm. <laughs> because i'm like oh whatever but i mean it <laughs> sounded interesting but like reading comics takes a lot of time away from me and i'm i i read a lot less now than i used to and um it just didn't like there's some that i'm like yes yes i have to read it but this was like okay that sounds interesting but i okay not really up your not alley. really i'll just i'll read it i don't know in the trade but <laughs> the controversy surrounding this book is what made me pick it up so the series was originally announced 
more than a year ago. So we are July 2019 right now. At San Diego Comic-Con. It was, yes. Yeah, we were at the DC Vertigo It panel. was, exactly. Really? It huh? was announced as a part of the relaunch, relaunch of Vertigo. The Vertigo relaunch. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. So it is um, now kind of um, coming up on a year. So it was part of the lineup for the relaunch. And as soon as it came out, it was hit by a huge wave of controversy. Why? Mm-hmm. Because this book, um, created by Mark Russell, and um, who is the writer and the artist Richard Pierce, centers around the return to earth of Jesus Christ. What the f- In modern day. So it is the second coming. Um, <laughs> and when Jesus Christ gets here, he is appalled. To discover what humanity has taken from his teachings. Wow. And so both mankind and his own father, God, seemingly prefer the morality of the super popular superhero, Sun Man. So it's almost as if Sun Man, who is... Uh, the superhero that is actually like a real superhero in In modern day time, people, uh, God actually likes him better. So see Sun Man as I would say like the Superman, like Uh total white bread, does make (laughs) the right choices, does everything right, like morality, uh, 10 out of 10 type thing. Yeah. So God is watching all this from up above and he's like, you know, that is, uh, is like, what humanity should be. Yeah, what humanity should be and who they should be looking up to. And so, um, of course, blasphemous (laughs) as all get out to Mm, the right I love blasphemous and heretical works. (laughs) And it was originally intended to launch in March. But in February, DC canceled. Wow. Canceled. Yes, canceled the entire um, series and never printed a single word. Wow. Um, There was an online petition about it, um, basically saying that the series was inappropriate and blasphemous, and everybody (laughs) followed suit. So the cancellation was um, basically a result of Russell, the writer, requesting the rights to the series be returned to him following requests for content to be altered by DC. He was like, no, I'm not altering anything. Like, this is my work. This is how it should be. This is what it needs to stay. Uh So he actually asked for it back, and that's Mm -hmm. why it got canceled. So um, a month after DC officially cut ties with the book, independent publisher Ahoy Comics picked it up. Mm-hmm. So Ahoy is a super, super, super tiny publishing company. You probably have never heard any titles that um, that they publish. Um, they publish the one that sticks out to me for some reason is Captain Ginger. Okay, <laughs> it's the wow. most recent one. Yeah, but I no, I'm okay. I almost confused it with Amigo Comics. But oh no, no, no. Uh, no Ahoy! I remember Captain Ginger, and there was another one, another like kind of sci-fi time traveling one. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that seems to be more their more their stuff from what I've seen. So, um, they picked it up and they released it, and it came out in July 2019, and the first issue sold out completely from Diamond. Really, we couldn't yeah. even reorder. Really, no. mm-hmm. and so because of this controversy, I picked it up 
and I was like, I'm going to read this. And, <laughs> and it was so freaking funny. I laughed out loud multiple times. It was so good. The writing was amazing. The art was amazing. But to me, like laughing out loud when I'm reading books is like my number one thing. Like that hooks me right away. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. And it's just like I recommend it highly. There is a second printing coming. So if you didn't get the first printing that sold out, there will be a second printing coming um, that hopefully will still be available through um, LCSs for an ongoing time. Um, but if you don't get any single issues once that trade comes out, I highly recommend it. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be an ongoing or if it's supposed to be. A, I mean, in this day and age, so many things are limited series. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure about that, but it's also available digitally. Um, so oh, cool. if you uh, if you wanted to um, to read it, you could probably read it on Comixology. Um, but if you're not familiar with um, with Russell at all as a writer, then um, just from this, maybe the titles um, Exit Stage Left Snagglepuss Chronicles <gasps> um, and Flintstones yes. uh, will kind of spark your memory. So Exit Stage Left is actually a really super it's good book. Really it's super good. well written. And um, I highly recommend that one as well. So Mark Russell is definitely um, a writer to follow and to, um, to read his stuff. So... Um, I'm just like looking right now at some of the panels that are in this article that I was reading and it's just so, so good. So um, I highly recommend it. It is on my radar and um, let me know what you think if you get your hands on it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I remember, s I don't know, I don't think it was you, Kristen. It was somebody else who told me that they were surprised by the controversy mm -hmm. and why it was so controversial. Yeah. And I was just so like, Really, you're surprised? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like I guess for some people, religion has never been like that much of a big deal. Yeah. But for me, it's been there my whole life, yeah. and it's just like so I can see why people were upset about it, and it's also why I gravitated to a lot of blasphemous works. Yeah. Um, um, when I was a kid, and even now, I have this like uh, I I have this general attraction to stuff that uh like that or that is kind of like. I really loved Breacher. Oh, uh, yeah. When that came yeah. out. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just kind of, I find it funny that I was just like, y'all are upset about this. Preacher came out like yeah. 15 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> like, now that's, that's, that's blasphemous. Yeah. Oh, that oh, is wow. blasphemous as all out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah. It yeah. Was, but, oh my God, like a part of me, that that Catholic race part of me, like would, would flinch at certain parts because <laughs> yeah. I was just all like, God damn it, get over it. But yeah, <laughs> so it was just like, I am honestly wasn't surprised that um, uh, that there was a, con a religious controversy. Yeah. What I was surprised was that DC caved into yes. it. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because I think I, in pop culture and media wise, it's not that big of a fucking deal. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, uh, and maybe it's because of uh, Vertigo being canceled by DC or just like basically subsumed by DC. Yeah, and I find that I I found that funny because that was Vertigo was there to publish works. Like yeah, that. exactly. That's how Preacher. That's their yeah yeah that was that's their, their that was their alibi. Yeah. That was uh -huh. their that was just like oh like we don't really have anything to do mm -hmm. with that. Kind of so Vertigo was able to do the stuff that was out there, right? That mm -hmm. was uh, that was like 
very like genre pushing Mm -hmm. so the fact that they caved to that and then they got rid of vertigo yeah it just it makes me really worried about the route dc is trying to take Mm -hmm. yeah um uh, or that the it seems that they're being they're being influenced by uh groups that they shouldn't be influenced Mm -hmm. by and so i just uh uh, yeah, it just seems like the direction DC is is now avoiding, and I'm like, uh. well, too bad for you, DC, because Ahoy Comics is riding <laughs> this wave straight oh, to the bank because yeah. it is great, and with all the hype about um, issue number one, I only hope that their success continues. Yeah, Absolutely. same. Yeah. Now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes, Kristen. Okay, so today I have um, another podcast that I want to share to uh, listeners today, and it is another comic book related podcast, (laughs) and it is called Comic Book Bears Podcast, and it is exactly what it (laughs) sounds like. It is a group of big Harry, gay men sitting around a table talking about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sign me up. <laughs> so, Comic Book Bears podcast is um, actually started in 2012, and you can. Uh, oh, they've been going on. For yeah, a while. they've been seven, around for a while. Seven years. And um, wow. they actually have quite a bit of content. You can go to comicbookbears.libsyn. I always want to say Libsyn. Lib. Wait. Yes. Libsyn. L-I-B-S-Y-N. I always want to say Lisbon, but it's Libsyn. <laughs> dot com. And um, they have all of their content on their dating back to 2012. So you can listen wow. to all mm. of their episodes. And um, their last episode was 150. Um, which came out uh, in May of this year. Wow. And it is, um, oh, no, 151 came out June. So uh, we just are waiting. And that was all about pride. Um, So um, definitely you can, besides going onto their website, you can find them on all of the... um, all the um, popular podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, all the ones, uh, FM listener or something like that. I can't remember. But all the information is on their website. And um, they they made um, a, um, a big deal about saying that doesn't matter who you are or what you're into, um, any comic book fan will get something out of this um, out of this podcast. So um they are the um, the the commodity comics of the, <laughs> of the bear community, <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> that sounds super awesome. Yeah. Oh my! All right, guys, it's time for saludos. And today we send out a lot of heartfelt saludos to the Grand Geek Gathering. You can follow them on uh, www.thegrandgeekgathering.com. On Instagram, they're also the Grand Geek Gathering. Um, And you can also find them on Facebook. Uh, The Grand Geek Gathering, um, they're a collection of collectives 
fans, gamers, geeks dedicated to celebrating the things they love and make us who we are. Uh, they travel to wherever geeks gather, so if, if there is a convention, you will, you will probably find them there. They have a lot of content. They do podcasts, they write articles, videos, live streams, panels, events. They do so much. They put out so much content. And they, I, I don't even know how many members, but it seems like they have a huge collective of members that all go out like little ants yes. and just, <laughs> just, uh, just represent the Grand Geek Gathering. And, and they are so amazing. They, uh, we find them at conventions. I know that Kristen has done panels with them, and so has Eddie as well. I believe. Yeah. Uh, what was one of the panels they did? Unnecessary was debates. Unnecessary debates, which I found to be really funny because at one point I was like, "What are they doing?" I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it would. It's so much fun. Um, so if you ever find them out there, they have this um this kind of a yellow logo with the big G, and mm-hmm. um and they always have all this uh recording equipment with them so it's they're really amazing and they're super nice and we are sending saludos out to them the grand geek gathering all right guys it's the end of our show where can they find us you can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres where you can also message us as well. You can email us as well at, at comadresycomics at gmail.com and also we have a Snapchat which is comadresycomics and where we try to highlight the events where we attend and what we're working on. Um, well, this is our the end of our episode. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.